Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. friends thank you for tuning in to truth and justice you are listening to the friday follow-up for season 14 the reply brief part six this week we got a fired up bob as he broke down the two letters from asia mclean we also touched on the autopsy as well as the crime scene bob janet and i have a lot to talk about this week and we also have a bunch of listener questions so with that being said let's dive right in all right I, janet i've realized in the last couple of weeks that we got 17 minutes in before anybody heard your voice so i'd like to say hi janet hey guys take it away yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now, now just be quiet for a few minutes. All right. You got it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I should point out that that Janet, Zach, and I have for our patrons a full hour of video before we do this. So I forget sometimes that because we've been talking for an hour that once the show starts, that uh-huh. you're just silent for 15 minutes. I think like you just haven't been welcomed in. All right. So we're gonna get started on this and trying to. I want to address real quickly. So this past Sunday, as I mentioned to you guys last week, I did my live with. Uh, Rabia on Instagram. On, it was on her Instagram. Uh, we ended up doing, apparently it shuts you off after an hour and Robbie and I went for almost two. So there's like a part one and a part two. Really good conversation. I do want to apologize. I, I saw some people, somebody on our Patreon just right before we started just sent a, a comment that said they were upset because they wanted to hear it and they don't have Instagram so they can't watch it. I was, I, I was hoping to find a way to try to capture the audio. I was not able to do that. Um, Robbie did leave it. You don't have to watch it live. Robbie did leave it up. So even if you just like get on and make just a quickie Instagram account, you can go to Robbie's Instagram and watch it if you want to. But so I didn't I didn't intentionally not create audio from it. We just couldn't do it. I couldn't run it through my computer. I had to do it on my phone. And it just didn't work out. Also, I know we had a bunch of we had, we had several questions from people asking stuff that Robbie and I talked about on the Instagram live that is not stuff we've talked about on the podcast yet. And some of it was kind of new new theories about some things. There will come a time when we will talk about those things. Now's not really a time. I want to kind of stay on on focus on episode seven, which was um, part six of the prosecutors episode, their series where we're talking about Asia McLean and her letter or letters to Adnan. And and to, to be honest with you, so for those of you that watched, no, like there was some, just some discussion about some theories about how the body was dumped and about how maybe it got buried. Truthfully, I'm still thinking about some of those things like that was all like new to me when I heard it. Uh, and I just not in a position to speak intelligently on it yet until I can do a little more thinking on it. So uh, just want to let you know, we saw all those questions about that. Uh, we're not ignoring them. It's just this follow-up is not the time to do that. And all right, so moving forward, I want to point out, I want, I want to try to, I know we got a bunch of questions, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, I want to talk, Zach, you and I, right when you walked in, 
you told me something about uh, your experience because you listened to the prosecutors first and then mine. So I'll let you you kind of share that. So a- as I as I do every week, I, I listen to the episodes and I make notes as we go through the episodes. And as I'm listening to the prosecutors episode, I'm making notes of the things she's, they're saying. Like I have a part that says, Al says Asia wouldn't have said, I hope the truth comes out and you're innocent if she was really a witness and knew sh- and knew he was innocent. And then and my next note says that this reads more like a diary and Asia is being honest. And, it, and it, all these notes just keep going back and forth about things they're saying that I'm trying to write down to myself to make notes of. Yeah. And I, and I hadn't really put it all together until your episode where you took that 20 minute segment and broke up all those clips back to back to back. And you, you really see them like jump all over the place and talk in circles where they're going. Clearly Asia is being honest. And, and Asia's writing this like a diary and she's being really truthful. And then all of a sudden they're like, but clearly Asia didn't write this letter. Yeah. And, then it, and it just, I mean, I, I mean, I was absolutely floored when I heard your episode, that part of the episode. I mean, that was literally the first thing I came in today and said to you. Yeah. And it, what was interesting about that is I put it together because I had the exact same experience you did when I was listening to their episode. I'm like, okay, they're saying she's being honest. She's doing this. And it reads like she wrote it like a diary. And then it was like, all of a sudden, I'm 20 minutes in, and they were talking about how Asia didn't write the letter. And I was like, what the hell? Like, didn't they just, and I kept rewinding, I'm like, didn't they just say this and that? And so that it was in during that process where I'm like, let me just cut out all the filler in between and keep everything in order and see what they actually said about this letter. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that's why I was confused, because that's what they did. They're like, Asia wrote it. She's being honest. She wrote it like a diary to... Asia didn't write the letter at all, and clearly 100% what happened was that Adnan wrote the letter for Asia, and she didn't write it at all. It was just a, it was a wild ride that I tried to condense down to a couple of minutes. And then I think a big moment for me, too, not to get too far, is the Joan Gordon part, where they're talking about the Joan Gordon wrote a letter uh-huh. saying that Adnan wrote the second letter and got the address wrong, and that's the clincher, and he's believable. And, and I was like, well, I mean, that must, uh, that seems pretty legitimate to me. I mean, if he, he's got this address wrong that he says got wrong. And, and he says that Adnan possibly wrote a girl and said, write this letter for type up this letter for me. Uh-huh. It, it all seems from what I know, pretty on face with what it is. Seems legit until someone actually asked Juwan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big note for me. That was a really big note for me. Another thing that I caught that I did not catch until I, well, jumping back and forth, uh, they talk about the red fibers and how there's these two red fibers on hay, and they kind of blow by really quick that they don't match each other. They do say it, but they just, it's like, yeah. these red fibers don't match each other, bloop, and they go by, and they say, but Jay says that Adnan was wearing these red gloves, and then eventually they say, Adnan says he was wearing these gl- red gloves, and, and Brett does concede. He said, well, maybe the officers told him that, but maybe Adnan slipped and then had to say that the officers told him that. And it's really Adnan slipping up and telling what happened. And, and then he goes on, he continues to go on and he says, lividity is a hazy science. His words exact. is a hazy science and no one should ever be convicted based on this. We should use DNA. And then they go through the crime scene. They say nothing, you know, they don't say anything about anything being found. And then in your episode, they specifically say, you specifically say two hairs are found. That's fucking DNA. Why would they not fucking say that? Oh, well, so, and that's something we, we talked a little bit on the, the live with Robbie. It, and it's so it's coming up for those of you on Patreon that are about to hear part 11 coming up this weekend, because in that one, they really they spend a really long time talking about how there's no unknown DNA on her body. 
And that's a fucking lie. There's unknown DNA under her fingernails. There are hairs on her body in the grave that are human and do not belong to Hay, Jay, or Adnan. We know that that is there now and is, is waiting to be tested. So yeah, don't get it twisted when they're telling you there was no DNA in her body. It's just not true. All right. Speaking of twisted, let's jump into this real quick too. Before we, I know that we have a ton of listener questions. But I know if, I, if you're going where I think you're going with this, that was the best transition you've ever it was done. Good, wasn't it? Yeah. The, I the, also feel I know where you're going and good job. Yeah. So the, the moment I walked into the studio tonight, I walked in, I said the thing about the, the audio clip. Mm-hmm. And then I said, can you please show me so I can see it with my own eyes, Hay's burial position. And fortunate enough for me, you know, you have the photos, right? It's horrendous to see, but I mean, the photos are exactly the way you explained them. She is not face down as the process, you know, the prosecutors make the story that, well, she's you know, her body is twisted. Mm-hmm. Her body, her face is face down. Her chest is face down. Her hips are turned and her legs are turned. So her body is twisted in this burial position, which is why there's fixed frontal lividity. And then you come through and say, well, no, this is how her body was positioned. So that's why I asked you. I'm like, well, I don't want to take anybody's word for it right now. I, see I, the would, I would yeah. like to see the photo. Mm-hmm. And, and the photo is... is well, I showed it, you a whole series of photos when should, they were yeah. excavating her. Yeah. I mean, that's... She's not face down. I mean, it's it's evident she's not face down. Yeah, that's the biggest bunch of bullshit that when people say that because she was. I said it on the episode, but I say it again. The biggest giveaway is this: if you lay on the floor and you put your right hip on the ground and your left hip is straight up, so hips are perpendicular to the ground, and you take your right arm and pull it all the way in front of you so that your right hand is higher than your head in front of your face, and your left arm is wrapped behind your back, like someone would put, like if they're going to put handcuffs on you. Like you can't do that and have your chest face flat, flat down. It's it's not possible. And like you said, you've seen now you've seen the actual photos. You know that that's that's nonsense. Look, there's a lot that's upsetting and disgusting about misrepresenting stuff. But there's something like, I don't know, there's just something even more egregious to me about misrepresenting the position of the victim Mm -hmm. to further your agenda. Like you won't stop at that like you're gonna misrepresent how her body was found what are you doing that is dark dude that's fucking dark like it, it really it's just it's i don't terrible. know it's uh, everyone has their own limits i understand that people think that we're disrespectful because we'll laugh in in moments that other people wouldn't i get all of that and i respect all of that but someone please come and take me to prison if I have an agenda and I misrepresent the position of a victim's body to try to get someone to listen to my podcast. Yeah. I just don't it's I just terrible. don't I just don't I just don't know. I don't know. And not only is it is it is it terrible, but like it's not they claim to have seen the photo. I don't know where they got I, I got them from Robbie a long time ago when I was working at the case and and they're not shared. She's never shared them publicly. I think some of them are out there publicly. I don't know where people can find them, but they claim to have seen their claim, just like every other document where they're saying they're looking at it right now and then they tell you something complete opposite of what is on the document. They're saying they're looking at the burial photos when they're saying, no, she's turned and her chest is flat. And you don't have to argue about that because as I, as I point out in the episode, the greater point is lividity. What all lividity is, is blood pooling via gravity. It goes to the lowest point. And even if her chest was flat, as Zach saw from the, you saw what I was describing in the photo, the depression, it goes down at the feet comes to a bottom at the hips, and then goes up at the head. It wasn't like a square dug hole. So the highest points of her body are her upper torso and her legs and feet. The lowest point of her body, without question, 
Her hips are perpendicular to the ground. Her right hip is by far the lowest point, and both side end, ends of the body are angled up. Your deepest, darkest lividity in that position, without question, would be the right hip. And there's zero lividity on the right hip. All the lividity is on the front, on her chest, which would mean that her chest is not only flat, but lower than her hips. And that is, as you saw, absolutely not the case. There's no fucking chance in hell that she was in that grave three hours, four hours after she was killed. She could have been. She had to have been laying in a completely different position for at the, at the extreme ends of this window between six and 12 hours. And six is, is pushing it. Usually they say between eight and 10, eight to 12 hours in order for lividity to fix like that. And that's not even to mention the, the pressure points, which we're going to get into in another episode. I don't remember if I got into them in this one at all. Uh, you, you brought it up quickly but moved on because you said you brought it up in another episode you talk about bringing it up in another episode. yeah because they, they get into it much heavier in an episode that that's coming up but when they do it's it's in their part 12 so it's coming up for the patrons next week it's absolutely bananas how they explain away the the pressure marks that are on on her body it's it's crazy but did you have any other notes before we move on to questions um i have a couple but i think they're i think they're in the questions from what i've seen so we'll just let them roll So Kathy says, I'm a little confused. I just proofed episode two of this series. And several times you said Hay was seen around three by Debbie, Inez Butler, etc. But wasn't it stated that she was to pick her cousin up at three? I mean, there has been speculation that it may have been 315 or even 330. And if she didn't leave the school until three, what was she doing from 215 to three? She was supposedly in such a hurry to get to the cousin's school that she jumped out of her car and grabbed the hot fries and apple juice, told Inez she would pay later and zoomed out. We know Debbie had the right day for the seeing and non in the counselor's office because of the letter dated the 13th. But was she right about seeing Hay after? So questions around that kind of loose time frame that people are giving that starts to sound maybe very close to when Hay should have actually been picking up her cousins. Thoughts on that? Yeah. So with Inez, we get kind of more detail. Like Inez, they go through in her interview where she's trying to figure out the time. Right. She says like and I'm working from memory, but she's like my kids bell rings at 2:45. I know I have to leave at 2:50, so it was before that. Where Debbie is is if if memory serves is much more generic. I think she I think what she says is around 3. So and and there's no more prodding into that as far as like exactly when it was, so that could be 2:45, 2:50, it could be any of those times. As far as does she have the right day? I I don't know. What she says I believe is around I don't I don't think that Debbie says it was at 3 o'clock. And there's no markers or anchors or anything given in that statement to help us get to a time as opposed to with Inez, where it's like, well, I know that I leave at 250 because I know my kid leaves at 245. So I know it was before that. That's kind of how we we get to there. I also do want to address quickly uh, in the YouTube chat. Susan was asking, she said that it might not be a popular question, but what's the reason we can't see the pictures other than your blurred versions? That's a policy of mine that has been that way ever since the very beginning, and I maintain it. I will not show pictures of bodies of victims. I, w- I won't post those. I think it's it's unethical to put those out into the public. These people are gone. They're not able to defend themselves. They're not able to consent for people to see these. Their family members are out there. So I, as a rule, I just won't post any pictures of any victims' bodies. And some people agree with that. Some people disagree with that. And I'm sorry if you disagree with that. I'm not saying you do, Susan, but I'm. But if there are people out there that disagree with that, I'm, I'm sorry about that. But that's just, that's how I feel. 
that it's it's not a thing that's okay to do for me. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Amber says Bob mentioned that Adnan was on the indoor track team and Jay said that he picked or dropped him in front of the school and that Bob uh, had suggested that police fed this to Jay and they didn't realize they practiced outside that day. My question is, why ask Kay for rides frequently to practice if it is normally inside the school? Wouldn't you only ask for a ride if it was far away on the outdoor track? What, what was said by, I think it was Debbie who said that he asked for a ride almost every day was that he asked for a ride from the front of the school to the back of the school, not to the track, which is way down. The track is a whole nother quarter mile down a hill, uh, way down there. So, so all we have is what it says in the reports, which is that the rides that he would always get from Hay are from the front of the school to the back of the school. So either way, the Jay story of dropping Adnan off at the front just continues to not make sense. Yeah. It, yeah. That's sort of the point. It, that's accurate, right? So if track is at is in the back of the school, then yeah, it's even weirder that he drops him off, that he would drop him off at the front of the school. Got it. Laura says, "Remind me if Hayes' wallet, purse, and keys were found." I'm going to wait for the rest of it to see if you know the answer to that. Uh, no, they weren't never okay. found. So th- this kind of idea of like where her car would be found and. Perhaps the police looking at the airport, just the idea that if you're trying to make it seem like someone did leave town, you would make sure to take those things because that person would have those things with them if they went out of town. Right. Yeah. And we and whatever the case is, those things were removed. But yeah, that's that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. If the idea is just to dump the car you know, where the car was was found, certainly the idea wasn't, oh, if the police find her car here, she'll just think she's in one of these houses forever. But the keys in the wallet are missing. Could just be coincidence, could just be they grabbed everything. But yeah, it does. It, if your intention as far as diver, diverging the police investigation was to, say, put it at the airport to make it look like she left, then yeah, you would definitely want to take the, the keys and wallet with. And then Lori is wondering if we know how much gas was in Hayes' car when it was found. 
um, if we're sort of trying to figure out different scenarios or different possibilities as to what could have befallen her. We don't. And, and my, my knee jerk reaction to that question just now was like, oh, that's not, I bet we can find maybe there's pictures or something where we can figure that out. But then I remembered that everything we're talking about occurred in like a two mile radius. So it wouldn't, you know, that car probably gets 30 some miles to the gallon. So, you know, her, her car, you know, it could be on full or on E and it wouldn't really tell us anything because she just didn't travel very far. Yeah. Well, I think Lori was sort of thinking if someone like carjacked or, you know, if the car was found somewhere oh. and then used and jo- and jo- a joyride and kind of was used until the gas was almost gone and then kind of abandoned. If there was this intermediate period where either the culprit took the car or there was some scenario in which a third party came across or took the car and was sort of using it. And then that's how it ended up where it was found. I, th- I think that the only way we would be able to to glean any usable information out of that is if it was like pegged on full. Right. You know what I mean? Because if, it, if it's completely, but even that, like you can like my, my truck, I can fill it up and drive for a hundred miles before it comes off a of full. But if it was like full, full to the brim, then certainly it seems unlikely that it was driven joyride or driven to a much further away location to be parked until it was it was moved later or something like that. I just don't think there's an I, I don't think there would be enough there for us to get anything proof positive out of it. Yeah, it would Good almost thought, be though. like we would have to know the starting point, right? Because Lori also makes the yeah. point that that's a reason to stop, right? If you're almost out of gas and you stop and we're looking for an interception point, then stopping for gas could be that such an interception point. But would almost need to have someone say she said her she was had to grab gas before da 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 for us to have any sense of what the gas was you know how much gas there was when she left. But it's yeah. really interesting. I mean, it definitely raises interesting questions. Uh, I, real quick, I want to address in the YouTube chat. Lynn asked, "Do you think Hay was unalived near where she was found?" I do personally. I think that where the body's found in Leakin Park is like you got to drive through like a very congested area with a lot of people to get the car there. I don't see some like, so, so if she was killed 10 miles away from there on the outskirts of town, I think there's other better places to bury the body without risking driving all that. But that, that's just my opinion. But I, I don't think someone would drive all the way into the heart of, uh, of that area unless they were already in that area when she was killed, not necessarily like in Leakett park, but like in that, like, like the general map we see that has all like the cell tower locations that were hit. Like, I think, she, I think she, somewhere in that, that area. Are there specific places that we know that, you know what I mean? Like, is it is it an area where there's like, for example, it's it's very urban and it's very congested with different businesses and people's homes and hotels and cafes? I mean, is it that kind of area where there's like a lot of different places where that something like this could happen to her? Yeah. I mean, there are like you mentioned hotels, like the, there are a few right right near there, little motels, like cheap mm-hmm. motels. Like the type that have like, you know, doors to the outside, you know, like the Schitt's Creek, like the Rosebud Motel, that type of motel. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's definitely an interesting thing to know. I mean, it, Rihanna and I think for many of us and it kind of goes back to the idea of what time Hay was last seen. Rihanna speaks for many people, I think, when she says still wondering where Hay could have gone after school before picking up her cousin if she just didn't have that much time. I mean, if she was being seen even 245, and you really think you're going to pick up your cousin on time, what does that leave time for? I don't know. Not much, but all the other thing that we have to consider is we don't know. It's assumed that Hay would not 
blow off picking up her cousin. And I'm not saying that she would, but but I am saying that I don't think that we can just assume that. She is a teenager. She you know that for any of you parents out there, I'm sure you've all had times where something happened and you ended up picking your kid up late from school and it's really not that big of a deal. They just, you know, sit around. Usually there's a big line of cars to get them and I've had it with Parker where I got held up at work or held up on a meeting or something and you know, he had to sit in the office or sit with the teacher until I could until I could get there. All I'm saying is we I, I don't think we should assume that what because that's that's the narrative we hear all the time, right? It's like, hey, took that very seriously and she would never not pick up her cousin. But like we don't know, like, has she ever been late picking up her cousin? You know, like we don't know. Has she has, has she ever been late? Would she be late? Would she say I have to go quickly because I'm picking up my cousin when really she's going to go do something else. And maybe she thinks it's going to take 15, 20 minutes and maybe she's going to be a few minutes late picking up her cousin. We don't know. Well, that's a good point. And I see in the chat, Grayson, who, if you are a regular listener to this show, Grayson lives in the area and um, has connections to those locations and mentions uh, that you can pick up the kids as late as six, that it's not like this place is shutting down. That's anecdotal. But if you're right about that, Grayson, that's that adds an interesting aspect to it, that it's not yeah, it, it, vital. It's not like we're going to shut down if you don't, you know, your child needs to be gone because we leave kind of thing. Yeah. Thank you, Grayson, for for mentioning that. So it's the Campfield Early Learning Center. Grayson knows the area he's taught at Woodlawn. He knows um, the school. And that's how so like. Around here, there's a school called Northside that is a preschool, but it also kind of doubles as a daycare. And that was the same thing when my, when both my boys went to school there. It was like their preschool day got over at 3.30, but you had to pick the kids up by 6. And, and what I was going to say was you know, the police weren't called until like 5 o'clock. There's a lot of unknowns there, right? So we we don't know, did the school call at 5 or, you know, was it like, oh, it's 4 o'clock, whatever. She must be running late. She must have something to do. Was it not until five when the alarm bells were raised that they were concerned about the, the fact that she didn't pick, pick up her cousin yet? But that's a, that's really interesting, good to know, because it sounds like from what Grayson's saying, that's very similar to like the preschools that are around here where, you know, school gets out at this point, but then also kind of doubles as a daycare where the kids can stay there until, you know, in our case, it was five, I think it was five o'clock. You had to pick the kids by five, but it was intended so people after they got off work could go pick their kids up. Yeah, Rianne, I think you even mentioned that you may have been one. These The posts are, there are so many of them, and so I'm so sorry that we don't always get to them. They're also very long for very good reason. But one of the things that I have to do is try to find places that I can cut out pieces. But I think even Rihanna might have said, what constitutes late and how sure are we, as you said, Bob, about yeah. exactly what time you know is late and what the reliability of, of that yeah. pickup would and be. And that changes a lot, doesn't it? Right. So like, based on my experience and what Grayson's telling us, it sounds like like that's the case. But there was not enough information gathered like on the record by the police about that. So like this whole time, this whole narrative has been she had to be there at 315. She would never blow off picking up her cousin. If she wasn't there at 315 or 3 to 315, then, you know, the, the world's going to end. What if this whole time we're wrong about that and it was she could have got there any time before six o'clock and that would have been perfectly fine or any time before five o'clock and that would have been perfectly fine, whatever time it was. That certainly changes things. It particularly changes things because we have the witness statements where she said she was in a hurry. She had some place to be. She said to go pick up her cousin. But if she had plenty of time in there to actually make another stop before she went to pick up her cousin, then that definitely changes things. And wasn't it Inez only who said that she had to pick up her cousin? I feel like Debbie in one statement mentioned it as well. 
I thought that Debbie said that she just had to pick up. She knew she had to pick up her cousin. That was a regular thing she did. But I don't remember her. You could be you could be right about that. I just wonder about Inez because we as we've talked about there are suggestions that perhaps there may have been information that she was given that in maybe trying to be helpful. Maybe there was elaboration or something happening on the side of like. Yeah. And, and you're right. Inez, I know Inez very specifically said she had to pick up her cousin and, and Lynn in the chat says that she was an honor student. Honor student, athlete with a job. She maintained a tight after school schedule. Good point. Well, it is. It is a good point. But also you had to keep like I was also an honor student athlete with a job. And I certainly blew things off here and there. You know, I I had a I had a tight routine, but it didn't mean that I wouldn't blow things off to do. You know, you just because someone's an honor student and they're an athlete and they have a job doesn't mean that they they're 100 percent responsible all the time. And real quick, before the next question is why we're going on this, Chris in the chat uh, said, what time did Tay have to be to work that day? Six o'clock, I believe it was. She had to be to work at six. Amy says, I was just listening to the episode of Undisclosed about Jay's day. In one of his interviews, I think it's the same one where he says he's missing those top spot. He says, Adnan pops a trunk and Hay is all bent up and blue. We're talking less than an hour after her death. I'm not a medical examiner, but the turning blue is liver mortis. Is it? liver mortis. And wouldn't that not be visible that soon after death? Because it sure sounds to me like Jay might have been describing what he sees in the picture of Hay's body after it was recovered. No, I don't think he's describing lividity at that point because bodies will start to take on a blue tint as, as just from oxygen depletion. I don't know the exact time. I'm trying to think, obviously, in my previous career, I had a lot of unfortunate incidents of dealing with dead bodies, many of them that were blue. I'll look that up. If you can remind me, Janet, if you make a note of it next week, because I, I have some medical books out there. I can I can look up how long it generally takes for a body to turn to turn blue, because I'm, I'm thinking there's there's definitely been plenty of scenes where we went to like a cardiac arrest and we worked in and essentially they were dead when we got there. We tried to work them, weren't able to bring them back. And then you're there, you know, dealing with the family and waiting to remove the body for an hour afterwards. And the bodies aren't blue yet. And generally. One of the things that we would say back to medical control, because we had to get permission to not work somebody. So like if we get a call for a full arrest and we show up and if if the body was cold and blue, then you know, we would report that body's cold and blue and they would say, OK, you can call it. And you don't need to you don't need to work it because if you don't get that, then we have a duty to act and we have to continue to try to revive the person. In generally, what you see, though, it's not like it's not the whole body. It's not like on a you know TV or cartoon. It's it, like you notice around like. The lips will turn blue, you know, pink areas sometimes like around the, under the fingernails and stuff like that. You'll see things will start to turn turn blue. But I, I will double check that and get back to you on how long that takes. Because because in this story, not the one Jay told, but the one that was used at trial, because, of course, Jay says that the call doesn't come until after 345. But let's say that the state's narrative, well, not even the state's because the state's narrative was 236, which, you know, isn't true. But let's say that the 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 guilty argument now is that the that the come get me call was at 315. Then we're talking and, and that he's there by, I don't know, 325 because he calls Janet 321. So he's not there yet. So say 325, he's there and sees the body. You're talking 15 minutes after she was killed. I don't think she would have been blue at that point, but I'll double check that. OK, there's a great question from Erica, just in terms of, you know, we've had conversations in the past about the location of the burial and the road and Leakin Park and where to park and all of that stuff. And if there is a question about a, a car maybe seeming to stand out or potentially seeming questionable at a certain hour or at a different hour, there's a question that Erica basically says, you know, 
it occurred to me that a city or county public works or utility vehicle wouldn't be suspicious to many people. This may have been addressed already, but did Alonzo Sellers or anyone else that has been deemed a person of interest have access to a work vehicle that could be mistaken for a utility vehicle? I don't think so. I think I think he drove his personal vehicle to and from work. Also, I think that would be even like in the moment, it may be, you know, that that might be something that, oh, that makes sense. There's a utility vehicle there. When the reports come out that, hey, at this night, at whatever time this body was buried out at Lincoln Park, I think somebody might notice, like, not just that I saw a vehicle, but I saw, I remember seeing parked right in that spot, you know, a city truck or something like that. But I don't, I don't think sellers had any of that. And, and I don't know if this, if this question made it in, Janet, but, but why we're on Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. I did want to address, because I saw there was one question where somebody was asking about the number of bodies that were buried there and if people were caught. Did you have that question? Mm-mm. Okay, then, uh, then I'll answer it now. So I did some research into that because the, the, the person was, was essentially asking, and it was based mostly off of my Instagram live with Rabia, the idea of somebody parking their car and taking the time that it would take, because despite what the state's narrative is, it would take a long time to get a body out of the trunk, to drag it all the way back through that terrain into that spot to dig the body. And it seems kind of crazy that someone would be doing that with their car out there on a road that, you know, there's cars that drive by and things like that. And I always said that what, I, what I've always thought is that they probably pulled over, dumped the body. I, always, I think there's multiple people involved here, and I think that they probably would have like pulled up in a vehicle. I don't think they would have had two cars. I don't think Hay would have ever been in her truck and in her trunk. I think that, you know, say she's in the back of a truck or, or whatever, that they would pull up, so that somebody would get out with the body and the shovel, and the truck would drive away, so there's nothing to draw attention Based on that discussion, someone was asking, well, there's been 71. I looked up an updated number. There's seven, it's actually 79 bodies have been found in Lincoln Park as long as they've been keeping records. If people were caught, like they said, you know, well, you're saying that it seems crazy to be out there burying a body. You'd get caught, but how many of those people are caught? So I first started looking through the, uh, the list online. Uh, there, there's a website. I think it's called something like Bodies of Lincoln Park, if you, anybody wants to double check this. But it has, and it shows hay on there. It's got a map of where all the bodies were found. The overwhelming majority of them are on. So right behind kind of running parallel to Franklin town road is a Creek and Hayes body was between the road and the Creek. The overwhelming majority of the bodies are found on the other side of that Creek accessing the park from the other direction. So where I said that part of Leakin park is just basically a road through the woods. But from the other side, there actually is this huge expansive park on the other side of that creek that goes on. It's a huge wooded area that goes on for a long ways. There's other ways to access it. Most of the bodies are found over there. And there are, I, I started counting and then I got distracted, but it looked like maybe 70% all had somebody like attached to the case that somebody that was, that was caught and convicted for those murders. But the thing that, that caught my attention was the idea that there's been 79 bodies in Lincoln Park is kind of in the context of this case is a bit misleading. We hear that and we think there's been 79 bodies buried in Lincoln Park. That's not the case. A lot of them are just shootings that happen in the park. Bodies that were just either just like dumped in the park. Like I, I wasn't. I started going through like each and every one of them and like look trying to look up articles about them to see. I obviously, didn't get through them all, but I got through a bunch and I didn't find any where the body was buried. In most cases, there was a shooting in the park. Wow, and that's where the body was found. Or there was just a body like tossed out of a car in Lincoln Park. I'm sure there are some, maybe many in that group, in that number, that 79 of people that were buried. But 
it's certainly not the majority from what I saw. So, and that's that's just for context sake for people to understand. Yeah, it's not like almost eighty people have gone out there and buried bodies in that park. That's not the case at all. Most of them, a lot, not most, a lot of them were shootings that happened in the park. So my guess is because it's like a remote area, it's kind of wooded, that maybe there were like, it seemed like from something I looked up, like people would go meet there to do drug deals and, and shootings and things would happen. So that's just some, just some context for everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. So we haven't really talked about um, Asia. I will say there weren't a lot of questions about Asia, but I would also say that I feel like it's not a surprise to me that there aren't a lot of questions and comments about Asia because I feel like her credibility is just not in question by the vast majority of listeners to your podcast. I think you do a really nice job of making it extraordinarily clear that this is just not worth people's time to question her. So I guess that's kind of why I'm not surprised that in an episode where we focus a lot on Asia McLean and kind of what they do to her, other than people just feeling very offended on her behalf, I'm just not mm -hmm. sure that there's a lot left open, like left a bunch of questions open, because it's just kind of, to me, it's very open and closed. It's like, okay, well. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to like kind of put a quick button on on the Asia thing. 
And we'll wrap this up. And, and there's a reason for that. A couple things. One, I've had a few people that have commented and messaged and emailed that like work in jails. Uh, somebody that even worked in the Baltimore County Jail, who all said um, it wasn't the city, but it was the count the county jail. The same thing that I assumed was true in the fact that all correspondences coming in and out of that jail are monitored. Right. They are monitored. They are pre-read before they're sent. They're pre-read before they are received. And anything that is worthwhile is given to the prosecution and it will become part of the case file. So the, the idea that Adnan wrote her a letter telling her to write him a letter and come back is preposterous. And Brett and Alice know that. Like if, if he had done that, that would have been flagged to the prosecutor immediately. They would have had a copy of it. That's ridiculous. The idea that that he did that so that she can create an alibi, he never tried to use that as an alibi. Oh, he said, like, I don't know. By the time this happened, it was so many months later. It, literally, this conversation with Gutierrez was this girl, Asia, wrote me a letter and said she saw me in the library. Check it out. And Gutierrez sent the investigator to the library to talk to, the, to see if there was security footage. And the, the footage was gone. They couldn't use it. And she left it at that. And that was part of what the appeals was based on was the fact that she should have actually interviewed Asia and talked to her. There's so many things with this idea that Adnan wrote that letter to have her write back that's just absolutely ridiculous. I think I covered it pretty well in the episode. It's nonsensical. And, and the entire premise of Adnan is going to trick the cops by having her write that letter is such a flawed premise, it's laughable, especially coming from two prosecutors. Because the letter would have, went to, would have went to him, which it did, and then he would have given it his defense, and then the letter would have never been evidence. He would have, they would have had to get Asia to come and testify. to like the, the entire premise is ridiculous, and they know that. But the reason we're going we're gonna to put a button out there at the end of this episode, I said that I'm hoping to get Asia on. For those of you that are on Patreon, you know this already happened. But this week's episode, I, that's coming out in two days on Sunday, I am joined by Asia McLean, and you can hear from her directly how all of this came to be. You can hear her thoughts on the things Brett and Alice said about her on the episode. And uh, you, can, you can hear directly from her. I, I, she's been, I've actually interviewed her before. This interview, I think, is it, it's really good. She really gets into the background and things that she's talked about. One thing that I'll mention here, we'll get into it next week, but there was a whole thing, kind of the response to this back when it was on Patreon. Uh, but there was these two sisters that after the whole appeal was over, that came forward and said Asia told them that she was going to lie for them. In, in that conversation, we didn't bring that up because that was debunked so long ago that it, I'm shocked that people are still talking about it because Asia like has the screenshots of their conversations that she shared publicly a long time ago. And that's all bullshit. So let's go ahead and put a button on this now. And this next week, I'm sure there'll be more Asia questions if we have them. But uh, Sunday, you're going to hear directly from Asia. It's a really good conversation. And, uh, and because I thought after hearing this, I thought it was really important. Because Asia is not a hard person to get a hold of. She's always been very open and honest about this, and she's been and she's always been willing to to answer any questions anybody has. So the fact that they came at her and accused her of perjury like that on that episode, without ever even making a single attempt to ask her for her side of the story, I think is pretty gross. And so we're going to let Asia come on and explain things for herself. And unless anything, but has anything else to add, I think that we can wrap this thing up. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thank everybody that's on YouTube right now. And a special thanks to all of our patrons who are helping to keep the lights on around here. We appreciate all of your love and support. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys.
Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com designed, created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnick, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Barney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice.